Mark Enlo, absolutely delighted to have you on the show, the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We are both clients of Cloud. That's how we were introduced. We've had a couple of conversations, but I think you were kind of interested in my profile. I'm very interested in yours, and I'm sure the audience will be as well. Before we delve into finding out all about that, just give us a snapshot of what you actually do, what, what you're doing now. Well, I'm an executive recruiter. I own, a, I own what I call consider to be a boutique executive search firm, which means boutique means specializing in customer service, uh, serving the customer, doing a great job. Uh, I compete with Hydro Externals, Corn Ferry, Russell Reynolds all day long, but my clients appreciate that I only take on so many clients. Um, I was incredibly large at one time and then the quality control went down. So I decided to make a boutique about six, seven years ago, uh, much happier. Uh, much more congruent yeah. with my customers and the quality has increased, uh, improved you know, 900%. So I went from being a an owner of managing people and I went to a working owner and I'm much happier being a working owner. Mm. Similar journey to myself. I mean, as you know, I built a big business and I'm a lot happier now. But so you, you, you've you been doing this for 40 years. Is, is that right? 40, 42 years. How many placements have you made in that time? Over 5,000. Over 5,000. Okay. Personally. What, what's, what's, what's your magic ingredient? Tell me, tell me how and why you've, you've, you've built that level well, of... Well, there's, there's, four, there's four things that make people great in this business. Um, the first one is you have to be constantly obsessed about changing your identity. And what I mean by that is you have to constantly pivot from where you are with the changing market. So for example, when I started in the business um, and I was you know, roughly you know, 22 years old, um, I cold called um, a gentleman um, morning, noon or night. I got in the office at 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, I had, I had wor- I'd worked for a family business uh, most of my life in, in shipping. And one day I walked in and my father fired me and I went to the executive search firm and I was living on the beach in Redondo Beach. I was uh, working as uh, a waiter at the chart house at night, having a blast. I had a, had a BMW 2002 TI in the garage. You know, I was surfing. I was loving life. And he fires me and I lost everything, everything, right. everything. I literally went broke at 20. And I went to the executive search firm and I interviewed with him and they, I go, I, they placed me at Campbell Soup and I was driving a Gremlin. Now, if you ever, anybody knows a Gremlin from a, from a BMW to a Gremlin, it's pretty shocking. Wow. Yeah. Is, right? <laughs> so I'm driving a Gremlin and I'm hiding from my friends. And I'm, I was, I was making over a hundred thousand dollars a year for my father back then, which today would be about five, six hundred. And I was making a grand total of nineteen thousand dollars a year. And I go, this is miserable. And, uh, the search firm placed me three months later. I quit and I go, I need to get out of here. I hate it. And I says, I need to make money and I want to be successful. And they says, we'll come to work here. And I go, well, how much do I get? They go, $800 draw against commission. Good luck. And if you don't make it in 90 days, you're gone. Wow. So literally, it's like, if you saw the movie, if you saw the movie Wall Street, or you saw the movie um, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Yes. It was like that. It was 80 guys on the floor, all with phones, all going. Yeah, yeah. And if you were fired, they'd put a white leather box on your desk and say, yeah. you're gone. They yeah. wouldn't tell you. They just say, get the fuck out of here. Um, I had exactly the same thing. Big corporate company, 5,000 people, all got Ferraris, shiny shoes, you know, right. shirts out here. If you were late, they'd cut your tie off, all that kind of stuff. But at the time, you, you kind of thought nothing of it. You wouldn't get away with that now. But that training ground back then really, really, really conditioned me and helped me. I think I think I did it myself for my own inherent desire. But it certainly, it certainly... You don't get anywhere without consistent hard work, right? Right, right. So from there, I um, I, I got the job. And then um, one of the – so what you do is you take 80 people on a floor, hypothetically, or 50 or 30, and you take each a, a portion of each person's skill set and you put them into your toolbox, okay? We don't like everybody. Let's be honest. We don't love everybody. We don't like our hiring managers deep mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And, but you take, what I did was I take a, a piece of every person in their skill set that I liked and I developed what I call consider to be Mark Enlock today, right? right. Yeah, and I learned yeah. from all of them. And one of the hiring, and one of the managers says, you know, if you're smart, you call this regional manager in Dallas, Texas and call them every morning. And they have plenty of openings. They go into the plastics industry. And this company at that time was called GE Plastics. 
and today it's called Sabic. And that hiring manager ended up being the chairman of General Electric eventually. Mm -hmm. And I called him every day, like Cockworth, presenting candidates, presenting product, presenting product. Yeah. Well, I became, by doing that, I, I started making tons of deals, tons of placements, and I became the youngest partner in the history of the company within six months. Mm -hmm. Months. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, at my age, I was 23 when it happened. Yeah. Okay? But there was a control mechanism within this firm that just kept inherently, and I knew something was wrong with my skill set. I knew I needed to improve, and I needed to reinvent myself. So I was living in Beverly Hills in Los Angeles, right? And I was working for this firm. Olympic and Bundy was awesome. Right? It was great. Yeah. And I says, I need some polish. You know, high-level retained firm partners, all wearing Brioni suits, all buttoned down. I said, I need what they have. Mm -hmm. So I moved out of L.A. By the way, I took my non-compete with me because it was only valid in L.A. when I went to San Francisco. And I went to San Francisco, and then I reinvented myself again. I said, I need more polish. I need more vigor. I need to give my clients more, a better product than just shuffling resumes. Yeah. And I went to a high-level retained firm, and that's kind of the story. And um, that's how I got from A to Z. But I constantly look at where I need to be and why. And to this day, by the way, I'm always asking the why. How can I improve? Where do I need to get? So I decide, I commit, and I resolve. I decide every morning when I wake up, when I journal. I've been journaling for 42 years. Mm -hmm. I decide where I want to be. I commit to who I want to be that day. And I resolve any inner conflict that I have in the morning. Yes. Now, I'd like to sit here and tell you that I developed that, but I didn't. Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, was best friend of my wedding. So we were wow. friends back then as he yeah. was developing the business. And these are things that he did. And I learned from, a lot from him. And we shared and you know, we role play like you and I are doing right now. Him and I did it all the time back in back in the eighties. So it was great. Going going back to your why, I mean, I talk about purpose, and this is the purpose that leadership podcast. When I was doing what you were doing, I was literally knocking it out of the fucking park every single week, month, every, every single league table. I was top of it, but I was quite. I, I got to five million, ten million, fifteen million, twenty million, twenty five million, thirty million pounds per year with my business. Every time I got there, it was it was like, oh, okay. What's next? And that was good. That was the drive. But when I kind of lost that all, when I reinvented myself, I, I found my why. My life changed. You, you mentioned the why. Has that evolved? Has it changed? What, what was the catalyst for, for that? Oh, it, it changes. It, it sometimes it changes daily. Sometimes it changes, changes yearly. Um, mm. I can tell you right now, I'm going through a, a dramatic change that I, I decided I commit. And I, I, I said I went to my office, and I live in Healdsburg, California, in the wine country, and it's a beautiful office. I own the building and. Nice. And I have a great environment. And I looked in the mirror and says, I need to, I need to regroup. So I went and got a house in Palm Street, rented a house for 90 days. And I went to, came down here to regroup. And then I started my why again. What do I want mm. my life to look like with my family? Yeah. First, I start with my faith, the four F's we talk about faith, family, fitness, and finances. Okay. okay. If you don't follow the four F's. It's like a stool. Mm. Your faith, your family, your fitness, your finances. And that stool, if you're not congruent with any one of those four F's, you basically fuck yourself. That's why I yeah. call it the four Fs. Yeah. So I use strong language to pierce the human body. You know, it's called taboo language. So sometimes I'll cuss. But the bottom line is, is I came down here to reinvent myself and say, I don't like where I'm at today, even though I'm wealthy, great kids, great environment, mm -hmm. and all, the, all the bells and whistles. But I wasn't congruent with myself. So yes. I said, I need to get congruent. I've been doing that for 42 years. And that's why I took a lot of bad habits. I let grandiosity get in my way. I let my ego get in the way. I let, I picked up some tremendous bad habits with, you know, on racehorses. I mean, I did all kinds of crazy shit because I wasn't getting fulfillment in my job. Yeah. The problem with recruiting is, it is true. You're only as good as your last placement in recruiting and you're constantly yeah. trying to keep your customer happy. Yeah. Yeah. We serve. That's what we do. We serve. But it's like an, it's an ongoing battle. What you've said that every day you, you talk to yourself, you want to be better. You, you could be billing a million pounds a week or, or have 17 houses and 45. It, that, that doesn't necessarily matter to you. It, it's kind of how you feel about you, isn't it? And, and, and the fulfillment part, I think people choose achievement over fulfillment. And I'll choose fulfillment over achievement anytime. Well, joy, joy is, joy is fleeting, but, Fulfillment 
That's another, that's another, that's another, that's looking inside your cupboards and your cabinet. Yeah. That's not fleeting. That's looking at yourself and say, so why do I need to prove? Why do I need to get there? Take to get there. Mm. And it's not about money. Your fitness, for example, that's one thing I've been, been pounding. I've been playing tennis. I got this trainer. I'm just on it. Mm. Yeah. Cause we, 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 you try and get significance mm. and say, Hey, look at me. Well, not, Hey, everybody look at me. You need to work on the internal because the yeah. external, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. You know, I think that's right. So faith is an interesting one. It's one of my core values. I'm not religious, but I believe in faith in terms of the universe, faith in myself, faith in karma, faith in doing, doing good deeds. What, what's your interpretation of faith? Okay. I don't care what you practice. I don't, with the exception of Scientology, where I have some questions about it, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't think it's a religion. I think it's a belief. I think yeah. I think it's a, yeah. it's a motivational tool. But and I, and I like some of the stuff that they do, by the way. But faith is an internal mechanism to be centered with God, not whoever your God is, mm-hmm. right? Do it well and meditate where you need to be and journal every morning and decide where you want to be and what does it look like. And how's my day going? If you start that day with a commitment to faith to yourself, your family, your fitness, and your everything else around you, you got it made. But so what, it's not necessarily a religion. No. But what specifically has led you to this? Because you've, you've got the money, you've got the success, you, 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 you can do recruitment better than the top percent, 2% in the world. You're in that bracket and you know that. And, and that, that's your calling. But... That's, what's what's happened to you to kind of have this still got this insatiable desire to actually get that fulfillment, look inward, get that purpose? Why is it so important to you? Well, in the beginning, you know, because I failed at the family business was to prove to my family that I was worthy. Right. There, there are six human needs in life, Chris. And I don't know if you've ever heard the six human needs. Yeah. There's uncertainty. There's love, connection, growth, and contribution. Yeah. Right. So in the beginning, I, I was doing what I call a big fungu or a big fuck you to show my family, all my peers that I can make it and I will make it. But then when you get to that part, mm-hmm. you get a little empty inside, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's all external. Yes. All external. So what led me to the four Fs is I started looking in the internal. Who am I as a father, as a leader in the community? As a business leader, serving my customers, I had to really dig deep into my soul to change my identity constantly and then constantly pivot. So, yeah. for example, we had COVID, you had to pivot. We had fires up in Northern California, you had to pivot. You had the industries change. Whoever thought Facebook would be, you know, would be where it is today. Mm. Whoever thought for five minutes, I was the original guy that placed Jeff Wilkie. He was the number two in command at Amazon, where it was $2 a share. And look at it now. Whoever thought Amazon would be what it is today? Yeah. And then, so remember, Blockbuster. You see Blockbuster buildings around? Yes, of you, course. You know right. Yeah. Because why are they? Why did they fail? They let Netflix go through the back door. Yeah. And get them. Well, they didn't evolve. They didn't change. They didn't. They did. They did what they always did. Right. Right. And recruiters have to change. If you don't change as an executive recruiter, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Because markets change, people change, the demographic changes. Yeah. Like when I got into plastics. It was the hottest thing in the industry. Yeah. Right. Hottest. And then I saw it turning into a commodity and I said, I need to pivot. Right. Absolutely. I mean, so I didn't go into industrial. So I went into Honeywell, for example, which was Allied Signal became Honeywell. Yeah. And I placed 168 people there. And then it matured. And then I had to repivot again. And yeah. then I repivot again to the private equity markets, work over private equity firms. Right. Yes. So if you stay in one spot too long, you're going to get killed. So why did you why did you join forces with Clout? Because we talk about change. The reason why I ask that question is because I'm like you. Up until five years ago, outbound nurturing marketing was just like alien to me. You know, I was a hardcore. Get on the phones, make as many calls as possible. Door knock, door knock, door knock. And I think you have to have that mentality as well. But I think the whole landscape of life and society and business has changed around personal branding, putting yourself out there, people buying from people, all that kind of stuff. Talk to us about that, that sort of change. Why did I go to cloud or why did I, why did I go more branding on LinkedIn? Um, yes. I'm not, I'm not contributing, you know, I, I'm, 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 I wasn't contributing. Like my post, I hit four or five, you saw them. I had 4,000, 5,000 people a day, a day. 
um, on yeah. likes and comments. And I wasn't contributing, giving anything back to what I've learned. So my purpose in life now is to give back. Now, if revenue comes from it, it will. All right. It, it will monetize itself. But that wasn't my original goal. My original mm -hmm. goal is to give back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I give millions of dollars to charity every year, and um, and I and I do it, but I only do it for one area. I do it for underprivileged kids because when I when I first was when my parents divorced, I was dirt poor. I mean, beyond poor. I, I mean, I knew what bologna sandwiches, Wonder Bread, and American cheese and mayonnaise was because I lived on it. But <laughs> um, that drove me. You know, that insatiable appetite drove yeah. me. So. I, when I do volunteer work, it's always about kids and development of kids. Well, in my life today, I look at it and say, what am I contributing mm -hmm. in my space? And if revenue comes from that, great, you know, but it will come, but I'm doing it more out of um, this purpose-driven life I want to live, the reborn yeah. world, this purpose that I have. People undervalue purpose so much that I think I've said it to you actually on a, on a previous call, you know, I don't know for a fact, but in my circles and in business, I know there's 80 to 90% of the people that I converse with or I've dealt with or I, or I know, they are just going through the motions. They're getting up, going to work, making their money, spending their money. Whereas I think when you start to find your purpose and you ask why you're doing it, it's, it, it is about impact. It is about service. It is about those, those, those six um, core beliefs that we all need. And I think when you get to that point, you see life in a completely different way, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I could have been selfish early on. I'll give you a couple of examples. Like, for example, um, I sent my son to Choate uh, for one of the top high schools in the country. I mean, you know, only the special, you know, people okay. go to this high school and then later he graduated. And I had him come work for me. Now, if I was selfish, I wouldn't be working right now. Mm. Look at him. And one year, he, he he made so much money. It was unbelievable. And he did so well. It was unbelievable. And the next year he did so and I says, well, now you have to leave. And he goes, why do I have to leave, Dad? I says, because you need corporate experience. So he went to Indeed.com. Now he's one of the top recruiters for a hedge fund company in New York. Yeah. But yeah. I could have been selfish. So you, you can't be selfish in your intent. You have to be you have to be sovereign in your approach to life and not always be selfish because what kills this business. Mm with recruiters they be or owners of recruiting search firms they become egocentric self-serving and bombastic in the way they manage your people yes i agree and i see it every day but to, we'll delve into that a bit more do you feel when your father fired you it was probably one of the best things that could have happened to you it was the greatest thing that ever happened in the world he's now passed away um what he 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 died unhappy he retired unhappy he died with no fulfillment, and I, I will not live this life without personal growth and fulfillment. I mean, I just won't. I mean, I, I mean, I, I want passion, excitement, energy in my life. That I and this undying belief in your family and your faith and your, mm -hmm. your financial freedom. And and the, the, the secret of this game is in the recruiting game is I had, a, I had a, a guy called me and I had to go to San Francisco before I left for Palm Springs, where I am now. Uh, regrouping and I, the guy says, Can, he had a firm of like 80 people, you know, three yeah. different offices. Yeah. So I went out and visited him. And um, I interviewed all those people, talked to all those people, looked at everything, spent a day with them, gave him a bill. And he goes, What's my problem? I go, You're the fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, What do I mean? He goes, it's, I go, What are you driving? Right? I said, Well, I have a Ferrari down the garage. All right. What is your, what is your secretary driver? You know, Whatever yeah. it, it, yeah. he 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 was all about him and yes, the deal. Of course, the minute you start in recruiting, the minute you start thinking about the deal, right, and about me, no wonder no wonder corporations resent us and they have talent acquisition, mm. right? Mm. And talent acquisition was was created because recruiters didn't give anything back; they just took. Now they provide a great talent in some cases, but most of them. Most of the search firms in the United States, I can't speak for Europe, but most of them, they have a 62% fill ratio. So where's the other 38%? Yeah. Unhappy customers. Yeah. And not just in, in recruitment, but in life. I think, I think, I think you've got to look after yourself so you can look after other people, but it's, it, it is that intent is, it's why you're looking after yourself. You're not looking after yourself just because you can live longer, you're looking after yourself because you want to serve your family and your colleagues and you want to have an impact. And I think, 
So many people don't even grasp that concept, right? Yeah, you, you have, you, you, we're in the business to serve. We, we, we chose this profession. We chose it. Now we serve our customers with our, with our, with our, with our spirit our, our, and, and, and give them value. Yeah. Right. And if you give them value and you appreciate them, you'll, you'll be a recruiter that lasts 42 years. If you don't give them yeah. value and quality, they'll leave you and you'll become a history lesson. Let's talk about leadership. What makes a good leader and a bad leader for you? Well, I, by the way, I've been a bad leader before, FYI. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> I hard to believe. Um, you know, a good leader is sovereign in his approach to life. Right. Um, and sovereignty, if you look it up, means they're balanced, they're focused, they listen, they contribute, they mm -hmm. dig in. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I just before I left, I had a, I had one of my recruiters was, was being challenged and I got in the bullpen with him and I sat next to him. I said, this is how you they stop teaching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the leader, a good leader, like I have a really, really, really good friend that runs one of the largest private airlines, um, private jet airlines. He's a CEO, a good friend of mine. And he's constantly contributing to his, um, his name's Adam Johnson. He runs NetJets. Cool. He's constantly, he started off in customer service. Yeah, right. But he's not afraid to go down to customer service and work with his team. He's mm -hmm. not afraid to work, go to even his VP of sales to work with a sales leader. He's not afraid to work with his IT person because he's going way up the chain. So you have to want to dig in with your employees and, and be in the trenches with them. That makes a great leader, okay. right? Like one of my favorite, uh, absolute favorite uh, coaches is Pete Carroll with, you know, CLCX because he's passionate. He's on the sidelines. He's digging in. And he's, sure, sure. he's going crazy. And he just, and he's in his seventies. The guy's in better shape than me. You know <laughs> what I mean? And the guy's in an insane shape, but he's passionate about his people and his leadership. How old are you? And, 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 well, I can, because I know the guy, number one. And number two, Russell Wilson said, you know, I want a $240 million contract. Yeah. Because I'm not going to pay you that. You're not worth that until yeah. you're willing to, until you're willing to go back to your core. Mm -hmm. Right of who you are. So what does he do? He trades him to Denver. Denver's falling on his ass. He takes a a second year quarterback, a journeyman of ten years, Geno yeah. Smith, and Geno's numbers are better than Russell's. He's paying Geno maybe five million a year mm -hmm. instead of thirty million a year. But but be the you have to be willing to do the things. Never forget where you came from is one. Absolutely. All right, and always remember. And every time I struggle. With my performances, I, I go back and I pull a journal out when I started in the business. Yeah. And I said, what was I like? What were my behaviors? What was my work ethic? And what did I do to get where I need to get? So mm -hmm. you have to constantly re-examine your skill set. Does that help you? Yeah, it really does. Going going back to your father, uh, him firing you, um, can you talk to us about how you were parented, your, your experience? Because I, I learned a lot from my parents of how not to parent, how not to leave. What, one of them abandoned me and the other one was just, you know, that they, uh, I was parenting them, basically. Right. Um, and I, I think you can learn from the good stuff, but you can also learn how not to do things, right? Well, my parents divorced, obviously, you could read between the lines when I was very young. I, was, I yeah. might have been five at the time. And uh, yeah. my dad was uh, was a drinker and he was a hard worker and a smoker. And he didn't live. he didn't live a life. My mom worked two jobs to raise us and I had a stepfather. I guess the moral of the story, and I won't get too deep into my childhood, but what I will tell you is when I interview people in, in the thousands every year, there's four questions I ask them and, and it throws them off and, and all the way up to a CEO level. What were you like in high school? What did mother and father do? Right? Mm -hmm. Did you have any brothers and sisters? And what were you like in high school and college? And what did you do over your hobbies? The second that I ask that question, I know about their foundation of who they are. Absolutely. I don't give a shit what's on their resume. I don't see if that resume says you're God. I want to be able to look at them and say, are you congruent with your value system and where you are? And what did you learn as a child? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And where exactly. were you going to be? You know what I mean? That's that, that, that childhood forms the basis of your values, your decisions, your thinking. And you've either got to learn from that. You can either be a victim or a survivor. And I think sometimes adversity is good. But you're right. A CV is just one, it's, it's just a bit of paper, but I'd like to know about adversity and, you know, how you overcome different um, situations with yourself then, with your, how did you kind of bounce back from kind of being 
was it a, a emotionally difficult to get over that being fired by your father or you just did it give you the fuel to go i'm going to just crack on well we're, we're ruining corporate america and I'm, i probably use my lose my career by saying this but i'm gonna say it we're ruining corporate america by focusing on nothing but diversity and inclusion we're, we're giving people like for example i give millions of dollars every year to several foundations hispanic foundations Right? Yeah. You've asked mm -hmm. Mark why you do that. That's really good, by the way. You know why I do it? Cool. I, I took a high school where the governor closed in California. I reopened it with a boxer by the name of Oscar de la Hoya. And we, they closed it. We reopened it. We funded it. And we give these kids laptops. And we're in the middle of inner city schools. Mm -hmm. After America, Chinese, Filipino, name it. But I know that if I invest in these kids, when they grow... And we've sent some of these kids to Harvard, Stanford, best schools yeah. in the country, yeah. because we yeah. taught them how to redo their foundation. Today, yeah. we look at a person of color and we give them jobs that are not qualified. I don't play in the NBA. I'm, you know what I mean? I don't. You know, I don't play baseball. I mean, I don't have the skill set. So we're putting people in jobs that they're not qualified for, whether it's white or whatever it may be, because so, we're saying the word diversity and inclusion. So what we should say is, yeah. how are we helping their families? How are we helping them grow? Right. What is their family life like, right? I grabbed this one kid. One, This is a really true story. Mm -hmm. Father was on drugs. Father was on, you know, never around. I took the kid and I grabbed him and I sponsored him and Oscar sponsored him and we, and we stood by him. Now, Oscar's got a bad story, you know, as of recently, but in, in the beginning stages, I worked with him and we took this kid. This kid now is a CEO of a company that he started and founded after, and He's, a, he's worth more than I am, <laughs> you know, because we built this foundation. Diversity and inclusion should be about building people's foundation. Yeah. Right. And re, and growing them and teach them how to live. Instead, we hunt out titles and resumes that there aren't growing with who they are. But it's not the best person for the job, is it? It's, it's, it's ticking a box to, to cover some bases. But also by doing well, that. Cover your ass, let's be honest. Well, that's it. But also you're, you're, um, you're knocking the chances of someone who's more qualified for the role just because you've, you, you want to cover your ass. And there's a, there's a, it's a controversial point, very well made by you. And I, th I think that I think we're in danger of becoming a very agreeable society and that not actually growing ourselves as human beings and, and businesses because of it. I, I, I actually agree with you on that. I'm on LinkedIn every day, right? Yeah. I'm yet to see one person say, there's only two parts of business. And I wrote this, right? Where's business and how's business and the rest is bullshit. Right. Where are my customer? Who am I serving? Mm. Mm. Remember the United Airlines handed out those those tickets in the old commercial? Yes. It would walk the office and handed each one of says, Go see your customer. <laughs> know who your customer is, right? Yeah. 100%, 100%. What else pisses you off then about the recruitment sector? What's that? What else pisses you off about the recruitment sector? Well, today, I mean, my favorite subject is, um, you know, I call it the talent act. An actor in a play or a movie. We got RPO firms out there, right? And we got corporations that they learn how to master LinkedIn and they get in the title executive recruiter, uh, talent leader. Yeah. They don't know shit about competencies and skill sets. They don't know anything about asking the why, why the candidate is qualified or not qualified. Mm. They get resumes and they shuffle them to hiring managers off LinkedIn or Monster or whatever they use. Yes. And they call themselves leaders of talent acquisition. And I call bullshit on the whole. They don't know how to write a job order. There's a secret to writing job orders. Yes. There's a secret to interviewing and there's a secret to send outs, mm -hmm. right? They don't know any of that shit. And we give them titles and we can pay large amounts of money. Um, so it's a talent. It's, it's a game now, you know, and, and yeah. it's hard to play. It's, it's, I, 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 I gotta tell you, um, I just had a situation less than an hour ago where the VP of sales, I had a job with one of my recruiters and he was working a role for director level role. And it had to go through talent acquisition first. Oh, no, co recruiting coordinator, talent acquisition, and then the hiring manager. Yeah. And then they called me up and said, why haven't you filled this job in two months? I go, your process sucks. Yeah. 
I think as well that, that some some technology is really really important and really helpful, but actually it takes away what the core of recruitment should be, and that's you know people understanding people and having that intuition, that gut feeling, as opposed to you know they could have all the right skill sets, but it's behaviours and attitudes before anything else, in my opinion. And there and but that same talent telling me how to do my job. <laughs> they've never worked. They've never worked behind a desk. They've never done, you know, ten thousand or fifteen or twenty thousand interviews in my career. I, I, they'll probably come to that. I've did the math on it, but I, it's impossible to do that math. Yeah, but yeah, I guarantee yeah. you, the number's big. I, I know I'm averaging right now sixty to seventy interviews a month, every month. I'm a working owner. I don't want to be a dictator anymore. I want to be a working owner because mm-hmm. I know my quality is going to be good, and I know I can get it done. So, is it just the private equity space you tend to deal with? Pardon me. Is it just the private equity space you tend to deal in? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I want to make it. Uh, people ask me every day, Mark, why are you never retired? And I go, like, to be golf's a four little word. I play a lot of tennis, but um, <laughs> but it's quick, it's speed, it's it's endurance, it's sweat. You know, you get get it going. Mm. People ask me every day, why are you still doing this? And mm. I go, I like to serve. I, I like to see an end result. I like to see success. Remember. Success leaves clues. I don't go to my garden and mow the lawn and say, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. There's weeds in my garden, baby, and I got to pull them. And you got to look at yourself and pull them and say, where do I need to be? So is there there a destination there? Because you're you're, you're in your 60s, aren't you? Is that right? 63. You're 63. You've got more energy than the average 23-year-old, more passion, more desire, and certainly got the direction. You, I mean, what's what's the end goal? What's what's the what's the north star for you? Well, the north star is, uh, my you know, hopefully grandkids pretty soon. My my son just <laughs> got married. My daughter's about to get married, and my my youngest, I hopefully gets married. But I think grandkids. Uh, it, it, if you want wealth creation, there's only one way to get wealth recruit uh, wealth creation in this business. Now, I know of a ton of executive search firms that did um, temp work and made a fortune selling their companies. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't do temp. I'll never get involved in that game. Um, I did executive group, but I don't, I know very few wealthy executive search owners unless they invested in the companies. And I got a great story behind that. Um, I had a former partner when I first started, and we did. We didn't name it after me. The first company that I started when I left that at Polish Search Room was a company called EnSearch. So we called it. And I had a great partner in me. And we were together, mm-hmm. and I was rocking. And I had all the great industrial accounts: GE, Honeywell, et cetera, et cetera. And he walks in my office one day. And says, "Hey, Mark, I, I got this small company, and they want to do business with me, but they can't pay me. They're going to do it for stock." Yeah. Now he was really good with his money back then. He was a and he had three kids. Me, on the other hand, I was really bad. I was driving a Ferrari. I was living off my mm-hmm. dog. I was wearing Brioni suits. I mean, you know. And he was always envious and jealous of me, always. And he says, mm-hmm. well, I got to go do this. And I go, well, I don't agree with your vision. And I go, like, we parted ways. That company, I went on my way, was killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it. And he was, didn't hear from him three or four years. Wow. The company that he started for stock only, stock only, no fees, is called Facebook. Serious. Guy's worth 100, maybe 200, maybe $300 million all day long. Doesn't work anymore, mm-hmm. right? But see, that's what I'm talking about vision. So we talk about, if, you know, if you want to be in recruiting, you want to create wealth, A, go after the stock and make a difference in a company and or the second mm-hmm. way is uh, invest in real estate uh, because I, I've yet to meet a poor real estate uh, person. But you're not going to make it. I mean, yeah. you're going to you're going to make it, but you're never going to make it. But I, I don't live my life of thinking about wealth creation. It it comes wealth comes by the person you become. I think you can have the purpose and the profit, and that's the thing. People put the the, the money first, but they they have the money, but they have got no clue as to either what to do with it or even why they want it. That's the issue. Well, we're all different. I mean, one of my best friends um, in the world, um, you know, sells soft drinks for Pepsi. You know, I mean, <laughs> but he understands. We all have different goals, and we all have different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we do, we do. I mean, um, I've been quite open. I love to death, and I, I don't judge him. 
No. I never judge him ever uh, because he's congruent. Um, he's congruent with who he is. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, no, absolutely. And you, you keep saying that these words sovereign congruent. I mean, it's, it's really important that you don't just say it, you actually live it, breathe it. And that, when I walk into most recruitment companies or look at their website, they've got their values on the wall or on the website. And you, and you ask any employee what the values are. Like, A, A can't, they even know or B, they can't even spell the word. And I think, I think until you are, you are congruent and you have, you have a look at, you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I think you're you're forever going to be climbing an icy mountain of kind of like disillusionment. Um, was there a particular moment in your life where that changed for you, and, and why? It changed in what manner? Explain. Go ahead. In terms of because you talked about in your young younger days making loads of money, probably get you know drinking. Oh, I, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was all about me. I was like, you know, hey, everybody, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, yeah. look at me, and. You know what? Nobody fucking cares. Nobody no, cares. Deep no, down. It wasn't until I had a meeting and I went I went to Fiji with Tony and his home and and um and I had huge relationship problems with my first wife. And he remarried us in Fiji and, and he got to and he and he said one thing to me that resonated through is now the rest of my life. Um he asked me, he goes, Who are you? Are you? What do you mean? I'm working on you. No, who are you? So go in your cupboards, look in your closets, see who, who are you, and then yeah. understand who you are. It, it's easy to get caught up in this world. I mean, this this United States. You're in London. This 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 country was on freaking steroids. When Trump was in office. <laughs> Stock market was rolling. Economy was rolling. Oh, it's flying. And, and, and I call it Trumpism. I, I don't know. I mean, I know the guy, and I met him a couple times, and he, he's got the worst values of any person on the planet I've ever seen, you know. But everybody's looking at the wealth creation because everybody was just – now we'll go to Biden, who doesn't have a clue because he's not well. But now we're reversing it. But what we're going through right now is he's bringing us back to reality. And I'm not a fan, by the way, of either no. party. No, right? No. But he's showing us this is where we really are. Yeah, the reality. You, know, you might have been on steroids over here, mm. but when he throttled everything back, is you guys got to start looking at the reality of where we really are. Because yeah. we're heading to recession. We're already in a recession, but we're in it because we're not on steroids anymore. Does that help you? No, it really, it really, really does. Um, talk to us about some dark times because I've been open myself about. I've been addicted to gambling and other stuff as well. I'm sure <laughs> a man like yourself has got yourself into some well, I, I had resources for 15 years. I was a professional gambler. I won seven back rack tournaments, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't own a winery. Um, <laughs> you do the math on that one. So, right. I mean, but I, I have more joy and happiness in my life today than I've ever had. Uh, and I'm never going to hide the fact that uh, everything you've been through, I've been through, you know, 50 times over. But, but that... Yeah. I keep telling you, when you're in the service business and you're getting the shit kicked out of you by customers for the result, you you and we do. You know, they give you a retainer or they give you a job and you have to fill it and you work your butt off to make the customer happy, but there's an old saying in recruitment, you're only as good as your last placement. It's an yeah. empty feeling. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. So recruiters typically look for something for fulfillment. They might get it through drugs, alcohol, gambling. Um not having congruent marriage, but then the, the good recruiters that I know, right, live very, they're happy where they're at. They're congruent with their wives and their family. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't strive to be something they're not. And they're very balanced and sovereign in their approach to who they are. They know who they are. I lost that. I, I didn't lose it once. I probably lost it six or seven times. And, and, you know, 42 year career, but I, I, I was born with a gift and that gift that God gave me or my higher power, or whoever it may be, is get real with yourself again, because you're an asshole. Yeah. But you need to hear that from yourself. Cause no, you, uh, I'd say it to myself all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I'm not congruent, I'm not working my values. Um, yeah. And that's the journey that I'm on today is that I'm all about my values. Yeah.
And that's it. And you know, deep down, you know when you're pitting yourself as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I got real with myself. Yeah, it, it's a tragic story. Um, I'm I'm probably the luckiest man on the face of the earth because it didn't dam. It might have damaged my kids' emotions a little bit. Yeah, the divorce yeah. And, and some other things. Sure. Like that. But sure. But my I taught my kids how to be fighters. I'll give an example. My daughter, for example, went to Chapman, and I go and I go. Well, honey, what do you need? And she goes, Oh, you know, I put her through school, and, and I go, What do you want? And I did the same thing with my oldest son, Eric, you know, and, and I told you the story already. He was working for me. I kicked him out. He went to Indeed. Now he's, he's got his own life and I love him every day for it. My daughter, the same sense, she says to me, she says, dad, what do I do? I says, well, what do you want to do? He was a freshman in college. She goes, dad, I want to be in digital marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, drive to Beverly Hills where all the digital or LA from Orange County. She went to Chapman and become a secretary of what you want to do. It's just the mm -hmm. bottom job. I don't care if it's working in the mail room. Yeah. I got stories about that, by the way, too. <laughs> and uh, she's the bottom job. But by the time she graduated, now keep in mind, this kid didn't need to work. Mm. I gave her whatever she wanted. Like, it, it, she needed a car. She drove the seat, Toyota Camry. She got 200,000 miles on it. She never asked me for a car. If she asked me for a car, it had been delivered the next day. Yeah. Right? And she stuck to her values. She's the youngest vice president in the history of her company making a big, big six-figure income, and she's yeah. her own yeah. person, and she appreciates what she had because she did the hard work. With Absolutely. Me. Totally agree with that. You mentioned there that you made the same sort of mistakes five or six times. I mean, I lost my business, and now that's one of the most things I'm grateful for because it's taught me so much. So why do you think you need five, six, seven attempts to kind of not do it again and – what did you learn? Well, there's, there's different versions. I mean, I mean, I mean, I just went through. We all of us just went through COVID, right? Um, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was freaking brutal. That was right? yeah. I was coaching. Now this is a great story, uh, and this is the example I'm gonna give you. So I was coaching executives, and my coach would be. I have a coaching business called Committed You with a U, not Y O U. We committed you, mm -hmm. and I have a saying called Committed People Do Committed Things. Yes. Right? Yes. And I started coaching them. And um, I, we said the executive was home, so male or female. Well, come to find out, when we said the executive was home, they had to deal with their wives or their spouses. And and I was I ended up being a marriage counselor, not a non executive coach for careers. You know, I'm having problems with marriage. I go, not my department. So I I lost tons and tons and tons of revenue not being a marriage counselor because we sent the executives home. Yeah. The wife had the role, or the husband had the role, or whoever the executive was, male or female, they yeah. all had the role. You know, the, the CEO, whether it was male or female, was traveling around the world, and the other significant other had a career path. Um, and they saw each other and they raised great families. And I'm not saying it's bad, but, you know, I, I would say, you know, I made six or seven attempts of reinventing myself. And I, I would say to you that I knew I had to get out of coaching because I wasn't. I couldn't do it because I wasn't a marriage counselor. But I, in times of my career where I, I developed bad habits is because um, I, I think early on, immaturity probably was one. You yeah. know, I could say that. Number two was stinking thinking. And three is, you know, if you're not, I have a saying, everybody I hire, they go, what was it like for work for Mark Enloe? And the details, I go, if you're not learning, growing, developing, you're done. Done. that's the thing talk about betterment I, I i think that if you've done something well i always think how could i improve it i always want to better myself i always want to grow whether it's listening to a podcast or or i very rarely sit in front of the tv and uh, you know and i think i think that i think it is about attitude it is about desire and it's about what you want but going back to what you said with your daughter she wanted to be that person to have that career and you're damn right. Go and start, but do it yourself. Learn it yourself. Nothing's given to you. No one's coming for you, right? Yeah, I got to be the most blessed man on the panel. My two oldest kids, I mean, they're, they're incredible self-starters. They have outstanding, outstanding significant others, right? Yeah, right. That helps. <laughs> but they work their asses off. Yeah. And they could ask me for anything. Hey, Dad, I need a million bucks. Hey, no problem. You know, I mean, you know, I, that's how I feel about my kids. But at the end of the day, yeah. they're self-made, they're self-sufficient, and they get it done. Mm -hmm. And my goal now is to be the 
hopefully have some kids pretty soon. I'll be a grandfather one day. But I mean, my goal now is to make sure that I, 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 I leave them a legacy that they can grab onto. You know what I mean? We're going towards the end of it now. What, what, what's your proudest moment? My children. Yeah. Uh, and, and getting real with myself. I, I could have stayed on that path, Chris. I, I really could have. I could have stayed on that path forever and ever. And, um, mm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly obsessed changing my identity and looking at myself and where I need to be. And to me, that's incredibly healthy. I mean, there's a very famous book out there and a really famous book that's been around centuries and it's called the Bible. And it's always talks about getting congruent, you know, being real, you know, mm. I don't whether you practice Jesus or God or Barabbas or whatever it may be, just be real with yourself. Mm. Be mm. Real. So of the four F's, the finances, we haven't really touched on that. Um, I think it's important to have a relationship with money. What would you say to that? Well, money is fleeting. Comes and goes. Example. When I, you know, I had millions and millions of dollars in stocks when Biden came into office and I sold every fucking one of them. Right. And I bought real estate and in a, um, destination resort place in Sonoma up in the Bay Area. And, and cause I knew people were going on vacation and I bought property that went up 72% in a year where if I kept those stocks, I'd be down so many millions. You couldn't, even, I mean, it was, it, it was stupid. So. You know, money is, you, you got to be smart with it. You, you got to be strategic with it. Mm. I don't know the answers to it. There's, there's people mm. that are much, I mean, I, there's a genius guy, guy named Ray Dalio. He's one of the smartest yeah. guys. Great. Const, you know, I'm constantly reading about finance, constantly. Yeah. Uh, Tony's got a book on called Money. Ray's got a book out. You know, study, study. Study where you need to be and find out what works for you. I'll, I'll yes. give you one example. I know we're running out of time, but let me be respectful. Sure. I know a guy when I was growing up as a little kid, and I, I grew up with his kids. He was a plumber. He bought it. He drove the, sa the same Ford F-150, and he, he got his wife a Buick Skylark every year, every three years. He knew who he was, but every year he made any amount of money, and they lived the same. They're still in the same house. And he's still alive. It's like 93. <laughs> Wow. Okay. And he manages his apartment building. Every dime he make it, he invested in it because he believed in taking an apartment and getting, he says, Mark, if you want to be successful in life and you want financial freedom, go after mailbox money. Every day I go to my mailbox, I get rent. Right. Right. It's true though. Right. So develop, develop your mailbox. It's true though. It's, you know, I think a lot, a lot of the times we get the money and we, we, we have the tendency to want to spend it on things because to look good for other, for other people or for, or for the wrong reasons. And I think that when I say have a relationship with money, I think if you just save it and you're too cautious, that's not right. I think it's a mindset. There is a relationship with money. It's about if you believe it's going to flow, if you believe you're in, you know, you deserve it. You get it as well. I think. I think is when you start to kind of resent money or treat it differently. I, I, I do think there's a science to it. I really do personally. Well, I mean, the internet's creating mailbox money all day long. Mm -hmm. You know, people go on like like people we know that Gary Vee, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. great, great, great genius, right? But um, yeah, gets more mailbox money. Knows the deal with because he's selling <laughs> on the internet a dream. Yeah. Now, whether he's right or not, I don't know. Earn money while you, whilst you sleep is really good. So the, the, the last topic I want to talk about is the importance of relationships. So I think that your relationships outside of work or your career are vital to relationships in, inside of work. So if you can't build relationships outside of work, you're not going to build relationships in, inside of work. What do, you, what do you think? Well, if you're talking about marital relationships and you're significant... I'm, I'm talking about any kind of relationships here. I mean, you know, I... I was married to my first wife for 23 years and my kids all went to boarding schools and we had the last, my last child and it was 14 in time. We looked at each other and go, do we really like each other? I mean, you, you grow apart. I mean, it's human nature, man. You, you have to work on relationships as hard as you work in your business, if not more. And if you're not willing to do the work, you're not going to have a relationship. And so, you know, even when I, you know, I spoke at a meeting this morning and happened to be an AA meeting. I spoke, I was a speaker and, and I said, you have to work at it to be sober. You have to work at it to, 
to be congruent with yourself and you have to work at marriages and you have to work at your business. But you know what? Respect, no matter what, respect your peers around you. Mm. And I have a new saying, and if you have an opinion about something, tell that person in front of you, I have no opinion. Keep it to yourself. Mm. Because aggressive opinions kill relationships. Yeah. Right? Work on your relationship. Work on your fitness as hard as you work in your life. Um, but, you know, I just visited my my brother. He's one of the top real estate <laughs> agents down here. He's got 60 agents. He's awesome. And, and I looked at him and go, you look like shit, Steve. And he goes, what do you mean, Mark? And I go, like, you're spending all your time working. Yeah. And yeah. his secretary is bringing him Chick-fil-A for lunch. I go, you, you know I mean, you're, you're 60 years old. You want to have a heart attack? I mean, don't eat that shit. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's like our food. What we put into our bodies, our minds, and our spirit is what you're going to get back in return. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So what one thing would you like to leave the audience with? You've given us a lot of wisdom, but if there's one thing you want to give, say, a 20-year-old recruiter entering the market or something like that, what, what would you say to that person? I tell this to my employees every day, um, almost every day. The, the, I call them the recruiting gods, right? Um, there's no mousetrap to what we do, but you know, there were people that taught this business decades ago. Stick to the basics, live by your basics, stick to the discipline, get your solid job order, get your solid send out, know what a good candidate looks like, interview all your candidates, spend the time with them, build a relationship with them, understand who they are, ask the why of who they are. If you do those things in recruiting, you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. If you're doing the sole purpose of trying to make money and for a deal, Get the fuck out because if you don't get, if you don't, it's going to get you out. It's going to throw you out. 100%. I've had hundreds, look at my lips, hundreds of people work for me, not 20 or hundreds. Yes. And all the ones develop bad habits because their sole purpose is to make money. Well, you know what? They lose their customer and the customer or the customer loses them because they know that their intent is to make money and money only, not to serve. We are in the business to serve. Mark, absolute pleasure. Where can people find you? Mark and Low Inc. It's Mark and Low Inc. Mark E-N-O-W Inc. I-N-C. And, and LinkedIn as well? LinkedIn as well. And if you need to call myself at 707-293-5500. I take calls all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 24-7 guy. I, I get up at, I was up at four this morning and after it, and I'll quit tonight around eight or nine. And you know, Never stop recruiting. I, I have a joyful life. Love it. Mark, absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Cheers. Cheers. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.